0: I think Brooksley claimed the chair next to me, but. So I think this. All right, I'm still going to wear my sunglasses, but. Hi, everybody. Thank you for coming. I'm going to uh, um, do a little introduction to the event and what we're all here for. And hopefully that will draw our last panelist out from wherever he went to, uh, that's Stephen Jaycox. He's heard this before, but uh, but I just wanted to, while you guys get settled, um, I just wanted to uh, say welcome and introduce myself. And also, just don't feel like you have to sit in your chair for the entire event. There, feel free to go back for wine, beer, and water. We have flat and sparkling. Uh, and then also, just again, I got really good. Um, prizes donated from Hornblower Cruises and Sacramento River Train. Each drink ticket you get equals a raffle ticket in the bowl, and we'll have a drawing at the end of the event. So, so I just wanted to introduce myself. My name is Vanessa Richardson. I'm just wearing sunglasses because it's, as you can tell, it's still a little sunny. But the organization is called California Groundbreakers. And it's a civic engagement organization. I'm filing for the 5013C nonprofit. And in short, the goal is to have events where cool people who are doing very cool, innovative things in Sacramento, in the Central Valley, basically entire state, eventually, come to talk about what they're doing and they come to talk about them here in the Sacramento area at very cool venues like The Barn or the warehouse, uh, uh, artist warehouse loft in R Street, or a rooftop, or a lovely barn field near Winters. So basically, the the goal is to have the discussion in a venue that pertains to um, the place. And what better place to talk about the waterfront than this new outdoor venue, the barn, right by the river? So I just briefly about me. The reason why I started this. I grew up here in Sacramento in Carmichael i left at 18 thinking i'd never come back i thought it was a cow town and i just never thought uh, i would ever be back here but i did move back here a year ago and uh because there's it has changed so in so many ways and i've just met so many people like me who did move back or they never left and they always had faith or they moved here from the bay area or socal or out of state or out of country and they're very interested in what's going on around them they want to get connected and they want to get engaged and there's a lot to get connected to and engage with because we are such a, a groundbreaker in terms of where the capital, and so much uh, legislative action and policy comes out of the capital and shapes what's going on in other states and other parts of the world. Ag, high tech, um, the arts, education, there's so much. There's so much that's rich for discussion. And when I lived in San Francisco, I was um, a member of the Commonwealth Club. I don't know how many of you know that. It's kind of similar, they do a lot of events on any kind of topic. And I just figured it was time for Sacramento to have something like that as well. So we're starting up. this is our third event. Last week, we were also here at the barn. We had the, um, a, a great panel on the craft beer scene. I just basically had a beer and let everyone do the work. And that is actually, all the podcasts, all the, all the panel discussions are going to be recorded and uploaded to CaliforniaGroundBreakers.org. That's the website. So Caleb, I hope you are recording. All right, and just FYI panelists, you will be on you'll be recorded for posterity. But I also wanted to mention a few more events that we have in the works. Uh, the next one is actually next week, I seem to be a, a masochist and I like to you know do an event every week. But this one's a very special one because it's the start of a series that um, I'm calling um, Policy in a Pint. And again pertaining to what's going on, in California, uh, the Capitol, and all this uh, policy that we did discuss on a regular basis, um, I wanted to have some some panel discussions on that, but have them in a in a very informal, relaxed place like uh, a craft brewery, and you can basically listen to people who uh, who d- handle policy tell you in a more informal, relaxed manner. Because I remember, well, I just read um, Prop 60 I believe the marijuana legalization initiative, which is, I think I got to page 40 and I had to take a break. There's so much of this that, you know, it's very important, but sometimes it's very dense and very there's so many acronyms. And I just feel personally as a voter, as a taxpayer, as a resident, I'd like to know what I'm voting on before I vote on it. And I just feel this is a good way to, to learn something about what's going on in the Capitol and do it in a way that I can you know, get engaged with. So we have Policy in a Pint starting next Wednesday. Uh, that is September 28th. It's at Roost Dollar downtown right next to the arena, but they donated their space. And it's actually going to be um, on people who are shaking up the um, basically the the process of uh, getting elected and campaigning and voter information and voter registration. I have three people here in Sacramento who are working on brand new programs that are really aimed at doing things differently and getting people more engaged and shaking up the way the process works. And it's very interesting and I'm going to start promoting it tomorrow. And then after that, the goal is to have a policy and a pint um, event probably every Wednesday maybe every, every Thursday until the week before election day because we're gonna start tackling ballot initiatives because there's so many and uh, there's so many of them that are, you know, I really don't know how I'm gonna vote, but um, we're gonna start with those I- in October and maybe even have two a week. That's see- we'll see how ambitious we are. So that's policy in a pint. After that, we're gonna go out of town to Davis Going to Sudwork, again, the Crappers have been very generous. They're donating their space. We're going to do a Future of Food, kind of tied into what's happening at the um, Farm Tank Summit uh, this evening and across the river. But it's going to be hosted by UC Davis's World Food Institute. And um, I don't know yet. It's going to be probably something on GMOs, um, but I don't, I can't confirm. But definitely Future of Food, and I will keep you posted. If you sign up for the emailing list, I'm going to get that. Going and I will let you know. Um, then after that, we're going back here at the barn on October twentieth for our last event here uh, for 2016, and that one I'm that's going to be very interesting. Um, we're calling it "Why Are Rents So Damn High?" <laughs> because we're going to look at uh, housing in Sacramento, Midtown, the grid, but also thereabouts. Why and how? Well, why is housing going crazy? Can we keep housing affordable? Um, or, you know, what is to be done. So basically taking a look at that, and that's here at the barn. And then the last one in October is something on the future of downtown. The arena's about to open. How is that gonna change downtown? is it going to change it in the way that everyone thinks it is or in different ways we're going to see. So that is going to be someplace, probably not in the arena. I can't get them to give me their space, but somewhere near the arena. And uh, that is at a later date, but uh, end of October, first week of November. So a lot going on. So I just wanted to get um, started with the event, but I wanted to give special thanks to the people who really helped me get this event together. Uh, First off, the barn, of course, Stephen Jaycox and Renee Ong, who helped me... Uh, get all the paperwork and um, uh, donated the space uh, and it's a lovely space I also want to thank uh, bike dog for donating the beer beers and sack for pouring the beer uh, I also want to thank our check-in uh, check-in person Scott Eckert, he's on my advisory council I want to thank Paul Hosley at West Sacramento for helping me uh, get panelists as well as Linda Tucker at the city of sac for for getting Rachel on board um, Uh, I also want to thank Matt Kennedy, Lisa Tapscott, who's pouring our wine, and, of course, our panelists for coming out here today. I appreciate it. And last but not least, you guys for coming out here. You may be like, this sounds interesting. I don't know what this group is and who's this person, but thanks for taking a chance. So let's get started. And I want to always start a panel by going to my left and starting with the person next to me and she's asking them to say their name, obviously, title, and or what they do right now, currently. And then always just, a, I always like a personal note, it makes me remember you more than just your name and title, a little personal information about you. And that question's gonna be, um, what is your favorite pastime involving the Sacramento River? What do you enjoy doing by the river, in the river, on the river? What, uh, what's your favorite thing about the Sacramento River? So let's start with Brooksy.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Brooksy Hughes. I am the district director for Old Sacramento. And um, just to also let you know, I just moved to Sacramento from the East Coast in the late spring. So I'm a newcomer here and experiencing all the great things that the waterfront has to offer. Uh, one of the big draws for me it was the river, um, is the river. And I like to spend my time, um, I actually like to walk I don't have a dog right now, but I've been walking some neighbor's dogs. And I go to the river, um, actually in West Sac, I cross over Tower Bridge and go and hang out on the um, beautiful grounds just across from Old Sacramento. I love looking back at Old Sacramento uh, and seeing the historic um, uh, boats that are there, the restaurants with their boardwalks. Um, and they're outside dining so I pretty much just hang out there I love to swim and kayak so I also any chance I have enjoy doing that all right
2: next thank you hi my name is Chris Ledesma I'm on the City Council here in West Sacramento I was elected uh, first elected to the City Council here in 2010 uh, and before that spent 10 years on our Planning Commission Um, So uh, what do I like to do or uh, associate myself with the river Uh, for the last 16 years? It's been helping to plan the river helping to uh, look at development plans helping to uh, helping the city staff uh, plan what you're sitting in today, which is uh, a beautiful uh, Parkway accessible Parkway to the river and uh, Lately I like doing what we're doing tonight is having a beer on the river uh, in this beautiful place So first of all welcome to West Sacramento and thank you for having hosting your events here. So thank you
3: Good evening, everybody. My name is Jim Haupt. Uh, I'm involved in a group called Friends of the Sacramento River Parkway, a group that's been around since 1992 formed by former mayor of Sacramento, Ann Rudin. Um, It it has been a very long time in planning the Sacramento River Parkway, which is a multi-use trail on the levee that should go from old Sacramento, or actually the Jaboom Street Bridge, all the way to the Freeport Freeport Bridge. Um, Part of it is done. Part of it is blocked off by private fences and gates that should never have been allowed. We've been working to get the public support to finish the parkway and and fortunately, things are going very well. Um, Sometimes people think it hasn't been in the news. Is it dead again? It's only taken 40, some 40 plus years to get to this point. It actually isn't dead. Things are going very well right now. The city has acquired the first two recreation easements sort of as a test of how to do that. We have support from the State Lands Commission to proceed uh, to get their assistance Um, But ultimately, we do need a lot more money to make it happen. But I think more than ever before, we can say it will happen. A little bit about myself. I'm a semi-retired attorney. My wife will tell you I'm failing miserably at the retired portion of that. Um, But this has been my passion since I semi-retired in in 2011. And uh, I work with a great group of people. Our group is about uh, close to 50 members. But then we also manage a second group called the Sacramento River Parkway Coalition, which is made up of groups and individuals who support our efforts. And we have about 600 members of the Sacramento River Parkway coalition and and the coalition is the means by which we let people know when we have an opportunity to support the Parkway and get people out who do support it and as we'll discuss tonight we do have wonderful public support for the Parkway and most of our job is just to educate people not so much to convince people to support it but to make them understand what it is and when people do understand the Sacramento River Parkway they do support it
0: and favorite past on the river favorite oh. pastime?
3: well of course it's riding my bike by the river
4: <coughs> hi my name is rachel hazelwood i work for the city of sacramento in the economic development department i'm a senior project manager i'm a senior project manager there um, i work a lot in the river district and recently i've been spending some time on this part of the river um the thing i like all right brooksy's gonna love this i love having a glass of wine watching the sunset from one of the West Sacramento restaurants. I just think that's great. And whenever I have out of town visitors, we that's where I bring them. West
2: Sacramento?
4: Old Sac, Old, Old SAC. Sac.
2: We're working on the West Sacramento. Yeah, hey, I like to look at West Sac from Old Sac.
5: <laughs> Hi, I'm Harry Laswell. I'm the executive director of the Powerhouse Science Center. If you're going, what's the Powerhouse Science Center? You might know us as the Discovery Museum. Uh, We've been operating in Sacramento for 65 years, but we're working on a project to build a a new campus about 10 times the size of our current campus at the site of the historic PGE Power Station building. Uh, In terms of the river, what I like to do is go boating and fishing. Hi,
6: I'm Stephen Jaycox. I am the Chief Design Officer of Fulcrum. my interest in the river uh, has been being out here at the barn uh, every weekend since uh, the barn's opened. It's um, If you haven't come to Friday nights at the barn, uh, please come tomorrow night. <laughs> You'll see uh, what it's like. It's, it's truly extraordinary.
0: Okay, so you can tell we've got a lot of panelists and a lot of different angles and um, a lot of interesting things that they're doing on. So, I'm going to try and get in as many questions as I can, but uh, I just also wanted to say it's about a 45 minutes to an hour of discussion between us up here. But then you see the mic. Um, there's a 30 minute Q&A time, so I'll let you know a couple minutes before when we'll start taking questions and just line up and uh, and uh, you can start asking a question that's succinct and brief, of course, because. So much to discuss and so little time. But I, I kind of wanted to go down the line. I, I did have a starting question for each one of you. And I wanted to start with Rachel because I um what sparked the focus of this panel for me, other than just taking a boat ride uh, back in the summer and thinking, wow, this is so beautiful, you know what why isn't there more? I think right around that same time I read a, an op-ed that our former mayor, Heather Fargo, between Ann Rudin and Kevin Johnson wrote in June about the riverfront master plan that was done by the city of Sacramento, uh, I think with, with a buy-in from West Sac, and it was done in 2003. And uh, I, did, I did read it, um, and it was very ambitious, had a great ideas. But that was back in 2003 and in her op-ed, Heather asked, you know, what's happening and, you know, there's so much that we could do, let's get it started. So I wanted to ask Rachel, you know, with that master plan, where does it stand right now? Um, What's the city working on? Um, What is kind of on hold because of economic issues or other focuses? And um, are there plans to update that master plan or, or, or bring out a new one?
4: Okay. That document, for those that don't know, was completed in 2003, and you're right, it was a joint effort of the city of Sacramento and West Sacramento, and there was a tremendous amount of outreach and a really active involvement of council members on both sides, as well as staff. Um, it had came up with some really incredible concepts, and many of those concepts are valid today. Uh, the I, I would put in the probably not in the near future and probably not maybe in my lifetime <laughs> category, a couple of the projects in that plan. One of them was this very whimsical ped pathway that would go from uh, just south of the Tower Bridge and um, north of the Broadway Bridge. It was, I, it, it was or north of the Pioneer Bridge. Probably not. It, the design of it probably wouldn't get past um, all of the regulators and, and so I- forth. I,
0: I know when I read that at first I was confused, like what's Pioneer Bridge, but this is Pioneer Bridge. Is that right? Yes, okay. that's correct. So For yeah. those who didn't know, yeah. I
4: did not. Yeah. No, that's a very good question. Um, I grew up here and I never knew it was Pioneer Bridge until like five years ago. Um, so that one probably won't take place as well as there was also a bridge plan in, in connecting Richards Boulevard with West Sacramento. So those are two that are nobody's talking about today and they probably, they're not hot burner. But I think the amazing thing about that plan is how much is actually taken place or is in planning right now. I mean, that when I looked at the plan, just to refresh myself, I was just absolutely stunned at how much has happened since those days. And one thing you have to remember is that plan was done in 2003 when the pre-recession euphoria, remember that's when uh, Ray Carriage said, we, he we want to have 50 cranes in the sky. So there was a sense that, you know, we were going to go, we were going to have just 40 story towers. Does anybody remember the Aura Project? And yeah, so we had a lot of euphoria at that time. But even even saying that, and even considering the fact that the recession happened, and that really took the wind out of Sacramento's sails, we really actually for the most part, stopped working on a riverfront at that point, and were just dealing with essentials. Um, And then the second punch was, of course, the demise of redevelopment, which had funded a lot of these efforts. So there was a kind of a one-two punch. But even with all that said, we have um, underway. The I Street Bridge is being planned, and it's really very far advanced. We have the Broadway Bridge, which is newly starting a planning effort. And these are cooperative efforts between Sacramento and West Sac, where staff meet on a regular basis and hammer out details Um, we just completed in Old Sacramento the connector to um, they call it the Old Sac Connection Project which improves the access and gives another um, entrance into Old Sacramento From, from where? From the Capitol Mall Okay. Yeah. So, And then of course, Harry, you're gonna hear a lot about the Powerhouse Science Center, which is just so, 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 so close to the finish line. Um, just, just, just almost there. And we widened Tower Bridge. We, um, the rail yards plan is really amazing. We had the R Street bicycle uh, connection over I-5 that was completed in this time frame. The, the promenade that we did it uh, past from Old Sacramento down to R Street that was also completed in this time frame, um, and we had the Crocker expansion completed in this time frame. So so many wonderful things that were in that plan envisioned actually did take place. As far as an update to it, I think that still has some. Sh- my opinion is that it still has some shelf life left in it, and that additional planning really needs to focus on the individual areas and get down. To more detail and more like a specific plan level of detail where you're actually looking at you now okay how's transportation how are cars gonna get in and out how are the bikes you know gonna access this area so really down to the details
0: and then on the other side of the river uh, Chris what's going on in West SAC with that master plan or with a separate separate plans
2: yeah well uh, it, it, and in and Rachel's exactly right that the plan was a terrific start uh, blueprint to where we're going with the riverfront, I think it still does have shelf life and has given both sides a focus on what on the amenity, the great amenity that the river has. And in 2003, um, you got to remember West Sacramento was still just coming out of um, a, a time when it was starting to emerge as a as a regional city uh, on the move. Uh, we had just completed Rayleigh Field, which was uh, the real catalyst for us in terms of what we could do. This was where we're sitting today was an industrialized area an area that was a rice mill that was used for commercial purposes on the river um and Rayleigh field kind of gave us like the, the the notion that we can do more in addition the ziggurat was built which was by the money store back in 2000 i'm sorry 1997 98 so we had a lot of momentum starting but we had a but we also had a lot of challenges because of uh a we're a small city city we're not as big as west uh, sacramento and that's not the tax, uh, the tax base. So we had to get really creative about how we're gonna move forward. And the good thing is we had a lot of great partners in the business owners, property owners, on the riverfront who saw the vision with us. And from 2003, when I started getting involved in the city, I was on the Planning Commission, and then as I got in the council, there was really the movement started. And with the, with the property owners and with the city, Uh, Through our redevelopment efforts, we were able to to do some things to get the infrastructure in place to start this tremendous momentum. Uh, Of course, the recession hit in 2008, 2009. Uh, but we somehow managed to get, keep things moving by being very creative, uh, leveraging grants, leveraging state uh, funds that became, infrastructure funds that became available, which allowed us to put in infrastructure along the riverfront. So we were able to kind of keep the momentum going. And now we're at a point where we're actually, we feel like we are, we are it's happening. You're sitting in the barn, which was, uh, again, this was a vacant lot, no infrastructure around. Uh, But we were able to make this beautiful partner with Fulcrum to create this beautiful public space that's used every weekend now in excess. I mean, there's there's something always going on here. The new park moderns, the habitat, and all the development you see next door. We've been able to kind of keep and build a neighborhood of truly Riverfront neighborhood in the way we did it. And we did it all in mind with a Riverfront master plan as creating spaces along the riverfront. Uh, Rachel's right. We had... We still are working on uh, the I-Street or C-Street bridge. Uh, we're in the Washington neighborhood, which is just north of us here, uh, um, uh, just north of the Tower Bridge gateway. We're working on the Broadway bridge that will connect into right south of here. Um, we're working on the Pioneer Bluff transition plan, which is just south of the Pioneer Bridge here, which is where we're anticipating the next phase of our riverfront development as this area begins to de So it's it's... We have been working um, through uh, the, the means we had necessary, being very creative, uh, partnering with the property owners here to create the vision um, to actually get moving on it. And um, we still have a lot going on, so we're very, very proud of where we are today.
0: So I know Fulcrum is a big, um, a cheerleader. Obviously, the barn. And I wanted to ask Stephen, what are future plans? Um, that Fulcrum has for this side of the riverfront and maybe even over on the other side. What do you? What's your vision for what you see here and what your role is in it?
6: Well, let's stay in West Sacramento for a minute um, because the bridge district is, um, f- for us, you know, the biggest thing that we're doing um, just because of the land holdings here that the company has. Um, so it's interesting, right? Because an awful lot has happened in 10 years, you know, since this original idea that there might be some some sort of uh, larger idea about how the riverfront might redevelop, answering to sort of different criteria. Oh, we're being <laughs> serenaded. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Um, the way that we've been thinking about this um, has changed, actually, um, since we started. And the reason it changed is um, you have to appreciate that right around um, the recession, and more than one person has mentioned this, um, there was an opportunity to sort of step back and think. A lot of you probably participated in the, the questions that were being asked around identity in town here. Um, for some, you know, we thought, well, this is kind of a new question. Like, suddenly we woke up and realized that there was an identity problem, but. <laughs> Going back quite a ways uh, to a fantastic little essay written by Joan Didion in 1965, she sort of puts her finger on when the identity crisis began, and that was you know, in the, in the early 50s. And it had a lot to do with, as she puts it, the outside world rushing in fast and hard. A lot of change happened at that time, and chief among those changes were the plan for an I-5. And I-5 was supposed to be on this side of the river, but the enlightened politicos on in Sacramento County decided that it was in their economic interest uh, to put the river on their side. Um, wow! If that isn't a shot in the foot, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, because, but you know, the funny thing is, is that that's pretty much a hindsight question, right? The reason I say that is we have to put ourselves in the frame of mind of what the river was to people in the middle of the 20th century. It was the highway for agriculture, right? Um, it was not necessarily as clean as it is now. It certainly wasn't thought of as a recreational amenity. It was even thought of as being an onerous danger, um, you know, with you know, deaths and children being pulled out of the river uh, almost every day in the summer, as Didion mentions in her essay. So when we looked at this opportunity, we looked at, well, what is our privilege now that we have, where we have responsibility not just to sort of develop this into a new neighborhood that answers to our values today, but to build a, down, a downtown neighborhood that, while you know, geographically and legally is part of West Sacramento, we like to think that one day, <laughs> Tower Bridge will be considered to be the middle of town, and that This will be the neighborhood that has its frontage on the river. Imagine being here next spring, enjoying beer and food uh, from Drake's Brewing Company, and if the water's just a little bit higher, you'll be able to be out here with a beer in hand and have a line of sight to the water. Uh, That can happen in a few other places in our (laughs) our area, Um, and, uh, but, the character of those, it's fantastic, because one is rooted in our past, and one is rooted in our future. And I think that that, as a gesture, is really important to the identity question, that we're actually working on and interpreting our relationship to the riverfront in a way that answers very specifically to our values today.
0: And that is perfect for my next uh, question to you, Brooksy. Old Sacramento, you know, a mix of old and New and potential possibility, and I'm wondering, you know, like you said, you're you're new to town, and so you're seeing it really through very fresh eyes. And in your role as uh, director of Old Sacramento, because now it's part, it's under the downtown business downtown Sacramento Sacramento partnership. Partnership. Um, I guess what are you know? I always ask, what are your hopes and dreams? Like when you walk around, what do you see? Especially since you're coming from. you know, New York, which redid its waterfront, and Boston has, uh, you know, so much there. Mm-hmm. What do you see, um, mm. and, and I guess what are you working on now to, to turn that into, you know, vision into reality? What's What's going on right now with you? Well,
1: uh, like you said, I'm I'm new, um, but I'm not new to riverfront redevelopments and projects along those lines. My background is festivals and activation of public space. So for me, when I look at this, I see a, a tremendous asset that can be activated on both sides of the river. And I just want to comment on what you just said about the Tower Bridge becoming the center of town. And one of the things that when I... One of my first, uh, I guess, uh, feelings about old Sacramento was that you have old Sacramento, but it's not just that. This is the historic riverfront for Sacramento, and that is all of Sacramento. That is. Whether you are in East Sacramento or West Sacramento or, um, and I'm sorry, I'm still getting to know in the neighborhoods, uh, other areas, uh, that this is an asset that is the historical center point. So to be able to see that as the new center of development and activation would be truly a great thing, I think. Um, There are so many assets that already exist. And so... You know, in terms of plans, uh, that's something we're talking about. You know, one of the things that I've gotten involved with at the onset was we were in the process of having the boardwalk uh, renovated due to an ADA uh, issue. so don't want to be clear. It's not part of the Riverfront Plan from 2003, but it is an opportunity to implement some of the things from that. So we've been trying to champion basics. So as a user, basics are access to believe it or not, water. When you're on water, it doesn't mean you have access to water. Uh, access to power on the correct side of the of the train tracks. You know, if we're going to activate our waterfront, as we're seeing Westac do some things just across the way uh, with some of the off the Grid events and things, we need to be able to provide the infrastructure to host the future producers and promoters that are going to come and bring all of those great new things. Now, there I'm going to bring up Pokemon because I've been was crazy person during Pokemon on that, but what that did in Old Sacramento for the summer and in showing what a positive activation and why bringing people to a space can help start to push out the things that don't work. Um, and it's not happening because we've brought in a big police force or we have extra security, but simply by activating the riverfront with more positive ongoing activities like what you're doing here at the barn will help to diffuse some of the things that we have challenges with every day. So, and that was something that came to us and we literally had, you know, 2,000 people still at midnight walking around the boardwalk it was really pretty outrageous if you didn't see it so as far as things that you know i get excited about from a from an event production standpoint, you know that part of my background. It's on what can we do to continue to activate um, Old Sacramento and how do we connect over into West Sacramento? I did read the 2003 plan back in December. It's about 120 pages, right, or 116, 166 pages. Uh, I have read it. I do not recall all of it. But some of the things from it that stood out for me were, um, and and I will say, uh, one of my associates, Scott here, just read it a few days ago, so he's been very helpful in reminding me of these things. Uh, The R Street pedestrian bridge, I think, that was in there is an interesting component to it. And then when we look at the I Street bridge that exists, that will no longer be once the new bridge is there, an opportunity to turn that into something like the High Line, to use the top layer as a pedestrian garden that people could go and stand in the middle of the river above the river view the river both north and south and really get in have an experience to to see the vastness of its beauty and the connections on both sides I think would be really important so things like that would be at sort of at the top of my list of conversations to have um, anything that we can do to to bring more activity in connecting the sides. So water taxis, I know there have been. I'm not saying that my organization is taking any positions on these, so please don't (laughs) report that out. I'm representing my point of view (laughs) for that. Um, But there's just a lot of things that I think uh, are extremely doable in the next three to five years, and uh, will bring a lot of stuff to both sides. And so to step uh,
0: up from old Sacramento is the power plant, right? where, or the old, former power plant, where the powerhouse museum, that's the site. And so, I was just wondering, it's... I got it, how about, that? okay. You're so close, you're so close. What's holding you back? Uh, what's the next steps to get things done, and um, yeah. Where are you at with it?
5: Well, what's holding us back is the same thing that's holding back all of these projects. It's money you know if if redevelopment still existed the powerhouse science center would be open already if if earmarks in Congress still existed the powerhouse science center would be open already Um, we started my predecessors in the organization started work planning this the the next step for the Discovery Museum over ten years ago um, we signed a lease with the city for the powerhouse site in 2011 we've done you know, all the heavy lifting, all the entitlements, the historic preservation work, the CEQA work, the, you know, remediation of a tiny seasonal wetland that the city inadvertently created on the site. You know, we've dealt with our elderberry bark beetle bush mitigation, um, and we're in the process of completing our construction drawings for the, the first phase of development of the site. Uh, The first phase of development is going to be the restoration of the historic building and the construction of a small um, entrance pavilion a small new building adjacent to it and then uh, some Rehabilitation of the landscaping on the site and of course the always necessary parking since we don't have good public transportation to that part of the city It's a 41 million dollar project We've got about 28 million of that, 41 already committed, and our challenge right now is between now and March to find the other 13 million. Um, the, the project is uh, a great example of a public-private partnership. Uh, the state of California, the city of Sacramento, uh, Sacramento County, um, SMUD, Aerojet, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, and dozens of other corporations are Um, investors and and supporters of the project Um, and we're looking to the business community and the private donor community to help us get this thing across the finish line if we can get the financing solved we'll break ground in second quarter and be open about 21 months after whenever we break ground Um, it's from a you know I, I got involved in it from the science education perspective But if you think about the activation of the riverfront and the impact on tourism, uh, we're taking a piece of the river that's been an industrial site for over 100 years that has had nothing going on on it for 60 years, since the the power station closed, has really never been open to the public. Um, The first phase of development will bring about a quarter of a million visitors a year to that part of the waterfront. Uh, beyond the Powerhouse Science Center itself, we're gonna take over the operation of Matsui Park, a, a little pocket park the city built back when they did the water intake that nobody goes to because there's really no reason to go to it, it's just this little patch of park. Although it is a place where you can see the water from the park, um, but that's gonna be integrated into our campus and we'll manage the programming there and use that. and. And you know, what we're trying to do, when I look at it from the point of view of our institution, it's a, it's a change to our organization, uh, very comparable to the evolution that the Crocker's gone through over the past 10 years. So it's um, a, a huge change for us and a huge additional resource for the city. So
0: Harry, I have to admit, I have not been to the current powerhouse, sci- I haven't been to the current center, which is off of Arden, is that right, yeah. or where is it's,
5: it? Um, off of uh, Auburn Boulevard um, just of east Auburn. of Watt. Right. So
0: I guess my question would be, when you, move, when you move into this building, besides just being by the river, will you have exhibits or will the museum tie into the, to the river in terms of the science of the river or ecology? Um, I think I read that it's going to be our version of the Exploratorium, but just more specifically what you see the museum offering to people
5: sure so one of the major themes that we'll be working with in the initial set of exhibits is all around sustainability so there's actually going to be a large gallery probably about 4,000 square feet that deals with water the all the issues of water the importance of water to preservation of the ecosystem uh, how nature needs you know how animals use water how humans use water how the water system in california works there will be another gallery, which is a, a, nat- a nature education center that really targets our youngest visitors, and that's all going to be focused on the ecology of the Sierra Nevada to San Francisco Bay. All right. So, what kind of flora and fauna do you see in those regions when you when you get out in nature? Um, uh, you know, we're, we're um, planning to do a nature trail along the bikeway. Today, the, the bike path is the thing, you, you know, that part of the river, you, you bike past as fast as you can. Um, you know, we want to make that a place where people, you know, the bike bicyclists will probably hate us, but where people might want to actually take a walk and stop and look around. There's still a lot of residual nature on the levee, and if you get up into Tiscornia Park, there's more. And then um, a lot of you probably don't know, but you've seen that, that thing, the city built out in the middle of the river, the water intake. You can actually walk out there almost any day of the week. Um, you don't have to, to uh, have a boat or wait for, some, you know, wait for the uh, I Street Bridge upper deck to get done. You can walk out there today and stand in the middle of the river. So we're gonna put interpretive exhibits on the walkway that's around the water intake plant about things that are going on in the river. You know, the bat colony that's in the I Street Bridge, the salmon migration. So nature's a big part of what we're doing.
0: Okay, great. And uh, Jim, I, I feel like you answered a lot of the question I had for you in your intro. But uh, what was inter- what's interesting to me is on this panel, you are, I guess, I see you as the, the individual who's not connected to a political entity or a business entity. You represent, wow, they're really, Going crazy out there, um, an individual, a group of individuals who are uh, doing the the parkway. So, I guess I was just curious about how you a- approach that, um, what your efforts are, I guess, in terms of right now, and using the, the power of the collective individual to go to the um, higher ups in and business and government to to get what you want to get. Does that make sense?
3: Like, It makes sense, Okay. <laughs> it, it, but it's not entirely true that we don't work with the city. We actually are working very closely with the city uh, and have been for the past few years uh, to work on clearing the way for the Sacramento River Parkway. An interesting thing happened in the last two election cycles. For the first time ever, the Sacramento River Parkway became a platform for city council candidates running from the pocket Green Haven area, um, before the last two councilmen were elected, it was the issue that no one was uh, was wo- no one was willing to bring up. Uh, people thought it was uh, the electric third rail, you dare not touch it. But with Daryl Fong and with Rick Jennings, it has now become a political issue and a political advantage to support the Parkway, um, which is a great change. Um, Even when I started in 2011 with Friends of the Sacramento River Parkway, we were afraid to ask city council candidates, do you support the Sacramento River Parkway? Now we vet city council candidates from all over the city, and we endorse candidates for the city council, and our candidates win. This has become a really big, important issue in, this, in the city. Um, it may not be on everybody's radar for reasons I'll go into in answer to another of the questions that you're going to ask. It's not on everybody's radar, but but it is seen by a very large number of people in the city as an issue that they want politicians to support. As I said, we've been working with the city, first through Councilmember Darrell Fong and now with Councilmember Rick Jennings um, to plan the parkway, to do the things that are necessary. As I said at the outset, we have made progress, which is great because for uh, much of the 40 years that the Parkway has been planned, unless there were new developments along the Parkway, we were making no progress whatsoever. And the thing that stops the Parkway, if you're not aware of it, is that people were essentially allowed to believe that they owned the levee. Um, and that's a principle that that it's very complicated. I'm not going to try to go into it. Yes, we do have to to compete with the birds tonight. <laughs> um, uh, it's something I won't try to go into unless you want to talk to me about it privately sometime. Because a lot of people ride up to a, a, a gate on the levee and they say, "How could somebody block the levee? I'm paying to to fix the levee. They're not paying for it by themselves." And so. A lot of people come to the issue with that simplistic approach to it.
0: So I did have a question. You can ride, you can ride your bike
6: uh, on the.
0: Okay. You ride your bike on the American River Parkway, and you can go all the way to where? And where does that first gate appear as you're biking?
3: So from old Sacramento, you can go to uh, the Les Revage Hotel, as it was originally called, the Westin Hotel, where a lot of people know it only as Scotch Seafood. And from there, you have to jump off the levee for a mile and ride on Riverside Boulevard, where you can jump up on the levee for another half mile, jump off the levee again. You can try to cross the pocket if you know how to do it, or ride along Riverside Boulevard and Pocket Road for three and a half miles. And then there is a final two mile section where you can ride to the uh, that big water intake that's south of town where there's a huge, unusual looking tank. And then you can ride across Freeport Boulevard into the Conlon Sports Complex but the plans are to continue the trail at least to the Freeport Bridge. Um, so we have, we have at least two sections that are blocked by what are essentially nine private fences and gates on the river now. One of which really is not, does not effectively, is between two fences and gates so you don't actually ride up to it.
0: Okay, and then on this side of the river, what are plans, uh, current, uh, future, long-term future for having a similar parkway?
2: Well, there's two points I want to leverage. Jim, you brought up a couple of good points I want to bring up, uh, and that is your your assessment on how electeds have to pay attention to what's happening, not along the parkway, but I read that as code for you got to pay attention to amenities along the river. And and on this point, I I think uh, to a certain degree, the times are in and a little bit of uh, demography is destiny. I think today's generation expects to have access to riverfront amenities, they expect to have uh, civic public spaces, that way they can gather. It's just where we are today. It wasn't like that uh, when I, we, I think we craved it when I was growing up in, on the Sacramento side and uh, the pocket area you're talking about. Uh, I came over here in the early nineties where my wife has lived in uh, her whole life um, and have grown to love it. So I think electeds today have to pay attention for a number of reasons, not just amenities, it's where the urban core is, where work jobs are. So we have to pay attention to bridges for a reason to get access. Commerce goes both ways. And one of the points that I want to bring up is that, yes, we're West Sac and we, we, we are very proud of what we do, but we also know we're a part of the fra- fabric of the region. So I go into uh, downtown Sacramento and eat at Mulvey. I don't live up my dollars here. We're part of that. My, my uh, friends and family, they come over to West Act. They've been on the, the off the grid on Friday nights here at the barn. They've come to Rayleigh Field. We're all, I think that's one of the important things that you're, you're advocating, which is to me very admirable. And I think electeds have to pay attention to it because people care about that. They need, it makes us pay attention to things like the streetcar. Which is going to be another way that we can get around in the urban core, um, again, access to the river, access to downtown amenities and our workplaces, this, on on the bikeway, on the bikes and, and hiking paths, again, that's that's totally a, to my mind, uh, a, a a result of where we are at generational times. Um, that you know, I always bring this up when you read, uh, as I did a year ago, I think it was that Ford was actually looking at ways and how to not uh, how to make money not selling cars. It was a harbinger for where we are in the times. They're understanding today's generation needs um, doesn't need as many cars as they will in the, uh, as they do today in the future. Um, so biking is super important. Having pathways safe lit pathways as we have here is the first thing we built on this riverfront is the pathway you see just to our east here on the riverfront. It's lit. I see people riding by and, ru- and running as we speak. It's absolutely important infrastructure that you have to have in place. We have plans to, to connect this uh, river um, uh, bikeway uh, runs along between the bridges and north on the other side between the Tower Bridge and the I Street Bridge. And yes, we are planning, it's on our strategic plan for this year to continue looking at feasibility of the kind of High Line style um, uh, access for for the I Street Bridge once we build the C Street Bridge, which will be a pedestrian, bike friendly, um, a bridge as well as the Broadway Bridge. We're also planning. In fact, we have plans to continue this south. Uh, we built the McGowan Bridge just south of here, which opened up access, safe access to the Southport area, which is our suburban area, which is where I live, uh, just south. It's as a crow flies. It's only a mile and a half, and all of a sudden, I'm biking here on the weekends to come to the barn or come to events at Rayleigh Field or or off the grid, which happens on the Riverwalk. And in addition to that, we we uh, the city uh, spent. Significant amount of money taken over the Yellow Short Line and taking over the Clarks- Clarksburg Branch Trail, which starts at um, the port area, the the channel area, and goes south about a mile and a half to um, uh, past River City High School, and with further plans to continue that down south all the way down to Clarksburg to the to the burgeoning wine country that is in the Clarksburg area, and as we begin one of our most ambitious ambitious projects in the city, which is uh, which is important to all our talk about Riverfront which is uh, flood control and levee upgrades. We're gonna t- t- embark a half a billion dollar project south uh, on the, uh, our, our re- levees down south. Uh, we're, we're using innovative new methods that are to the, today's standards on levee protection, which are setback levees and, and, and such. But with that gives us opportunities for even more trails and parkways that we fully plan on utilizing in our trails initiative. Always the issue when we talk about this stuff is funding um, so, if uh, th- th- that's the challenge, uh, this year our city has on the ballot Measure E, um, which is uh, which was endorsed by our city council um, unanimously. It's as a mechanism. It's a cent sales tax that will be on the ballot, um, and it will it will part of it. We're looking at funding some of those trail systems as matching money to leverage against for for further grants, so we can further those bike trails. So we'll have a network of trails starting from the south that will. Ideally, head all the way down to Clarksburg to the wine country and north all the way up to the north of the city um, so that people can literally ride from Southport or Clarksburg all the way down north to the city. Um, It's important, people want access to the riverfront. And as a community, when you're trying to attract from an economic development standpoint, from from everything you run as a city, um, you need those amenities, you need that infrastructure, even the barn we considered infrastructure to get people to come here, um, live here, uh, create jobs here and, and develop here. That's that's the entire impetus of it. That's what makes the city go.
0: Okay, so now I have a, this is open to all panelists um, because these may just be um, you know moonshot ideas or not, or you may be working on them within your own organization or or, or company. But for me, you know, you're talking we're talking about bike and and hike trails, and I'm I'm thinking uh, what about the river? I'm a kayaker. And I would love to take my kayak, get easy access, and, and drop it into the river and paddle, or you know, stand a paddleboard under the under the bridges. And I'm wondering, are there any plans uh, for future recreational opportunities on the water, like um, you know, the marinas, other than at Miller Park? Um, you know, small uh, piers for small watercraft to be launched. Um, you know, I've been told water taxis used to go across the river. And I would, that sounds great. Are there plans in the works to do that from a public perspective, a private perspective, or just right now? Okay.
2: Uh, well, I will. <laughs> I'll go and take that, and I'm, I'm sure Sacramento will um, um, have some comment. Uh, we actually do. Um, uh, first of all, we what, one of the things, we already had some infrastructure in place. Uh, the boat ramp up in the broad Washington neighborhood, which is out of the north part of the Washington neighborhood. Um, we, last year, we started, uh, last summer, we started activating that more, having kayaks r- launch out of there. A small company came in and started, uh, w- we allowed them, it, they t- came in and did it. They came in and allowed the stand-up um, kayaks, which I could never do. Um, I tried it, and th- but th- they're great. They were a the way to get on the river. Um, and that's one of the, using your, your the, the amenities and the infrastructure, the assets you already have, to access it was, that's what we saw. And that we're looking at that area we've made some improvements in that and that boat ramp so that it's a it's 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 very accessible uh, to the city residents to anybody in the region to come get access for boat launch or some of the kayaking areas we're also uh, been working very hard on two accessible points along our riverfront uh, one is at the Rayleighs landing which is just north of the tower bridge which is the old pier and access that's where the water taxis used to launch from. Um, so we already have that in scope for possible, uh, we, we're going to um, update that and, and upgrade that, um, that pier at some point. We're waiting for funding on that one. But we just got funding for right here, and you can't see it on the other side of the building here, um, which is the Mill Street Pier. We got funding to update that pier, um, actually restrain it. The, the the bones of it are very good, um, but we can then go and make some improvements for it, and that will provide some access to the river, some initial starts. And we've already gotten inquiries about people that want to use that for boat launches. We had a I had a, a talk to a group last summer who are interested in bringing up some of the kind of the cruise uh, boats that you can take a launch from. Um, so I think that those kind of opportunities are, are, always, um, are always there. And we have some natural amenities that um, further down the river that we're, we're looking at, including um, when we do the, um, the, lever, the levee improvements. Again, because of the setback um, levees, it lowers at the waterline a little bit where you can get access to the river. So we're looking at areas, how we can improve that. And we're getting lots of outreach, doing lots of outreach to the public about what they want to see there. And I think that provides a wonderful opportunity to pr- provide some additional opportunities down south.
0: Um, this may be moonshot, but uh, Highway 5. When I was reading that master plan, the master riverfront plan in 2003, they did have options and suggestions for how to uh, make Highway Interstate 5, I guess, less obtrusive. You know, putting bridges over it or uh, lowering parts of it underground, and I. I know, um, I remember San Francisco before and after the Embarcadero Freeway, right? The the earthquake kind of took that apart, but now it's the Embarcadero and people go. So I don't want to assume it's gonna take an earthquake to you know, um, improve the, the Interstate 5, but are there any plans or are there any options for literally bridging over or under Highway 5 so that people have more access to the river that way you know or is that just you know a pipe dream
4: well the the riverfront reconnect project with old sacramento actually um, was one of the, uh, the outcomes of that study the um that the thing we've talked about a few times that 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 money thing money th- um, is an issue but we do still um, our you know we just completed the connection from Capitol Mall to Old Sacramento there's going to be a similar approach um, to the south of, of Capitol Mall to the docks area so that is still in the in the um, plan and that it's it's still one of the transportation projects that we want to see happen um, it would be wonderful to cap the the freeway um, it's just very expensive and I guess and and we're yes we wish those days I keep looking at old um, you know things there was a lot written about and a lot of old press reports and such about how much Sacramento fought to get that freeway put on its side and oh my goodness
2: and, and, and I'll, if I may comment I think one of the things that has been so um, encouraging exciting about where we are today is um, the freeways. we have one. We're sitting right next to it, you could hear it. Um, and Sacramento has it. And one of the unique things that's emerged is this idea of placemaking and how you can, uh, you, you have them and you think that there, it, it's it's a um, obstacle, but you can, with the right ideas, the right energy, you can change it. And I think what, what Sacramento has done with the farmer's market and the area underneath the freeway and the WX where they allow people to come in and paint underneath to give it the real ambiance and placemaking that it is. I think that was incredibly exciting for the region in terms of in Sacramento. Uh, you just sometimes a city and 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 it, it um, as an elected, it, your job is just kind of get out of the way. That like kind of creative people um, have a, they have a vision for something. Um, and I, I really, kudos to Sacramento for, I know uh, Councilmember Hansen and others that were involved in that, did a terrific job. And, and, and that's, an, that's an area where you can, t- I know it's not in the riverfront, but it certainly is a way you can make those, ass- those assets work for you. And I think there's, you're still working on it on the riverfront along I-5, so.
0: So I, I, I have a lot of other questions, but I, I wanna see if anyone, if you have um, a question for yourself, you, you might have the same one as I do. Uh, I guess in a couple of minutes after my question we can start lining up with the mic and uh, you can you can now it's your turn to ask um, so my question for now is um, when I think of i5 I obviously think it's not just a city thing but there's state um, and federal requirements for that and federal state and federal agencies that you have to report to and that are involved in any change and I'm wondering, are there any, um, right now, state and federal agencies, laws, or regulations that you may have to deal with to get things done? They may prevent you from getting things done. Um, Is there a way to get, you know, not around them, but to work with them? I I guess I'm just wondering in terms of, you want to get things done, but you also have to take into account the state of California and the federal government. Are there any projects right now that it's just gonna take a lot of work with those entities to get things done, or it just won't be because it's too much work? It's not a trick question, (laughs) it's just, I'm curious about what uh, what can be done and what can't be done with or without state and federal help.
7: Well,
4: it is very challenging, and we found in our downtown area, because um, it is a built out area, largely um, that Caltrans has had a lot of opinions when we have additional projects come on forward um, about the traffic impacts. And so one of the things our um, transportation director and a number of other people have worked on, and we're sorry he's going to be retiring at the end of this month because he's just done so much, but um, is um, worked through with the city of Elk Grove and West Sac and the county in Sacramento, I think those are the, the main partners, um, to actually get ahead of it by having a voluntary fee um, to pay into this, This um, they call it the I-5 traffic mitigation fee. Um, and it's voluntary, and that way you don't have, they won't protest your project. Basically, you pay a fee, and it's in lieu of doing um, some kind of a negotiation with Caltrans. Have you guys had experience with that? Or yeah. You're not familiar I don't know with know
2: it? About it but OK. Yeah.
4: Well, is
0: that
2: a new thing? Or yes, it's oh, brand new, okay. yes, yes. I think, I, and and the hardest part, and I see a couple of property owners in addition to uh, Fulcrum here, that we know the hardest part of any develop on the riverfront is the levee system that it is. Um, that was, I think, Stephen, I think you you could probably attest to this. It was one, it's, and I, I see Danny Ramos back there who's who uh, has property and his family has property here. As a city, we really were challenged challenged, um, on flood control and levee protection and being able to work through those agencies that oversee it. Uh, That's not just the state that oversees it, but the feds and and the Army Corps that kind of help maintain it. So it it becomes really complicated when you bring them into the mix. And and I think we have built a relationship with them um, so they understand what we're trying to do. We have a major project that's getting ready permits just north of here that will include uh, I think it's a four-story 300 unit high-density commercial mixed-use property that will include an urban beach feature so they're trying to figure out the you know kind of where are they where they were they where they're they gonna start because um, there's levy easements and first and foremost we have to protect the city from flood so again that's one of the big challenges we have
0: I know you guys have questions, th- because I haven't asked all of them. So please don't be shy. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a, a couple of beers, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to be the only one asking questions. So thank you. OK.
8: Sure thing. Um, so I believe uh, all six of you guys said there's something really cool you'd like to do, if only we had the money. Can't hear? Oh, there we go. That's a little cool. better. So I believe all six of you guys said, there's something really cool we'd like to do, if only we had the money. Um, at a luncheon that uh, the mayor of West Sacramento, Christopher Gabaldon, spoke at a while back, he said one of the things that he kind of prides himself on is, um, and don't tr- ask me to explain the entire metaphor, but uh, being an architect with a tree in the middle of the lot and then having to you know do something cool to build around it. So. What can we do that would be really cool and extra cool because we're thinking outside the box and being creative and doing something different because we don't have the money?
0: I get, so I guess that would mean if, you, if you're like, well, instead of relying on state money, federal funds, how could you get it done in other ways? What can we do better because we have to think creatively? What can we do better because we have to think creatively? thinking out of the box to get things done
1: all right I'll jump on that but there's um, it really comes down to a collaboration between all of the different parties involved in any any space it's a public space and so coming up with ways to activate so again you know I do say events and things along those lines are at the forefront of how I think but in terms of activating the waterfront, just starting to do something. The idea of waiting to have the money to make the I Street Bridge a pedestrian garden, to wait for a pier to be built. We have amazing docks that exist in Old Sacramento. Just getting the right, Um, partnerships with people that will bring things to us because there's plenty of people who would like to be a part of the success of Sacramento, West Sacramento, Old Sacramento, the riverfront, but we need to make things easier for them to do business and that doesn't cost anything. Uh, to, to be able to work together and say, all right, we'll waive this permit if you wanna be able to bring your boating operation to the docks, which sent empty every single day in Old Sacramento. So things along those lines is a good start, at least for us, um, that it may not be as extreme and creative and wow factor, but sitting around and waiting for the money is definitely not gonna get us anywhere, if that makes sense.
3: And, and there is at least one more thing we could be doing to push the Sacramento River Parkway along that we have not yet convinced the city to pursue and that's something called a conservation easement. Right now the city is focused only on buying recreation easements from those people who believe they own the who believe they own the levy. Um, a conservation easement is a way a property owner can donate an easement to the city Get a tax benefit from it, an immediate tax benefit uh, in terms of their income tax, and also a long term benefit in terms of property taxes. And that's yet, that is, uh, uh, that's something we have not yet pursued, it's something we've talked to the city about, it's something that in the future I hope they will pursue a little bit more actively, because it might be a way to convince people to support the parkway, to get some immediate benefits from it, and doesn't take any money out of the city's pocket, the state's pocket, or anyone else.
0: Um, and then, yeah, getting people on board, individuals. Um, is there apathy, um, I mean, you have to, are you getting, how do you get buy-in from people? even though they don't realize what the potential of the waterfront is. How y- can you, are you trying to motivate them to get on board your projects? Um, if so, how do you do that? Because uh, it seems like you know getting buy-in from people and getting them interested is a big part of getting things done.
3: I I can take that from the standpoint of the Sacramento River Parkway. One of the things that we do is to appear at a lot of public events with our booth and talk to people. When we're in the pocket Greenhaven area, people are all in favor of us. The 40,000 people who live there know what the Sacramento River Parkway is. They know the challenges we have now where parts of the levee are blocked off. One of the funny things that happens is when we appear in Carmichael and those areas and we say to people, do you know about the Sacramento River Parkway? And they say, yeah. I write it every day, and we go, no, you're talking about the American River Parkway. There is also a Sacramento River Parkway. And and the Sacramento River Parkway is important to you because, first, the American River Parkway is being loved to death. And some of our strongest supporters are people who support the American River Parkway and recognize that we need to give people an alternative so that we don't overuse the American River Parkway. And one of the great... One of the the great advantages to the Sacramento River Parkway is something called the Great California Delta Trail. If you ride on the portions of the parkway now, you'll see a sign that says Sacramento River Parkway and below it, a sign that says Great California Delta Trail. The Great California Delta Trail is provided for by state statute. The Delta Protection Commission is supposed to be planning it and they are working on it. And the Sacramento River Parkway on our side of the river is the first link in a trail that will go from Sacramento to the 500 miles of the San Francisco Bay Trail. The day will come when you could ride a bike or run if you're so inclined or walk if you're so inclined, from Sacramento to the city of San Francisco entirely on bike trails or multi-use trails, and uh, and and once the, the the bike trail is done on the rest of the Bay Bridge, all you could ride all the way into the city of San Francisco, um, and it's something that a lot of bicyclists can do. It's 90 miles, and a lot of people in a day will ride a century, which is a hundred-mile bike ride, and it's almost entirely flat, so it's a fairly easy. Ride. So telling people that we need this alternative. And telling them that the advantage of the Sacramento River Parkway is that it's the first link in the Great California Delta Trail or the the, uh, Clarksburg Branch Line, which is also part of the Great California Delta Trail on this side of the river, that excites people. That gets people to back us. That gets, most of what we need to do in a lot of Sacramento is not to convince people they need to support the parkway because they will. It's to tell, it's to educate them as to why it's a great benefit to them to have it completed
0: and before i take the next question i just want to let you know that i saw on the liquor license that i got for tonight it's good until 8 p.m so uh beers and sack recommend that i give last call at 7:45. they will be serving until 8 unfortunately no later so <laughs> okay question from the audience
4: hi there we go. Um, I moved here a couple of years ago. And when I moved here, I was really excited because the city is so flat. You know, It seemed like the perfect place for biking around. And my experience was that everybody told me that I couldn't possibly ride my bike to work or wherever because something bad was going to happen. Um, That has not been my experience. I totally disregarded them and did what I wanted to anyway. But I do think that it stopped a lot of people from taking advantage of the river. And I was just wondering how you were factoring that into your plans.
2: Uh, I'll just, uh, go ahead. You know, we've put on, uh, we put out um, Pretty ambis- ambitious bike and pedestrian master plan last year, um, and we really looked at some of the issues you brought up, and a lot of it was getting past the mental hurdle that somehow your your life is in danger when you send, the minute you set your two wheels on a a a a, a road of any type, and uh, certainly we're still working at where do we find gaps in um, um, bike areas where, you know, from bike lanes and where are the major areas. One of the ones we're working on as we speak is, because um, so many people are now riding their bike from Southport up through, um, along the riverfront, this way is how do we light even this area? We're gonna open up an area just under the freeway uh, that connects down to Southport and light it. It's, it's, it's super important because for this, you've gotta, you've gotta communicate not through just words but through action. That we want you to use this place. I always talk about being bike pedestrian, not just friendly, but encouraging, um, so that people feel like, hey, that's a valuable way to do it. It's a for me to come here, 15 minutes door to door on a bike, and I don't. I, I'm fairly. I'm not probably a bike like bicyclist like you, but you've got to get through that mental holder. And part of our job, I think, as a city, is to think through what things are uh, the impediment, the mental impediment to doing that. So lighting, good lanes making sure it's well-marked, um, and that we support it as a city, right? Because a lot of motorists are still thinking they own the road, no, we're sharing the road, it's it's infrastructure for both ways. So I think you make a great point, is that you've gotta, you've, you've gotta push that outward as well.
3: And yeah,
4: we let have, me. Oh, just adding, yep. um, we do have a person at the City of Sacramento whose job is to, to look at, You know, how do you connect? How do you fill in these gaps in the bike system? How do you um, make it safer? And this is, she she actually her her job is active transportation, um, and that's what she does all day long. (laughs) So we do have a lot of people looking at, you know, how do we fund these improvements if there's gaps? What grants are available? We have a team of people who are very aggressive about applying for grants, and we've been pretty successful. Um, So we're just going to keep at it. And if we don't get it one year, we do a little planning and some outreach, and then we submit we it again.
3: And one thing about the Sacramento River Parkway that's really critical is that it is part of, the biking, uh, of, of a biking stru- infrastructure that we need in the Sacramento area. One of the, one of the things that happened recently that really pleases me is that the Bicycle Master Plan designates the American River Parkway and the Sacramento River Parkway as backbones of a low-stress bicycle network in the area. Um, a great thing about a parkway like the American River Parkway and the Sacramento River Parkway is that you get people off city streets. There, is a lo- there are a large number of people who will not ride on city streets. They're not as bold as you are. They're afraid of traffic. And if you can, what's that? I'm <laughs> afraid. If you can get a, a bike trail, that allows them separation, complete separation from traffic. A lot more people will commute. And really it's critical that we get people commuting on bicycles. It does not take a large number of cars to be removed from a freeway to really make the freeway a lot easier to drive. So it's in everybody's advantage to get people onto bicycles. You don't have to get rid of half of the cars on I-5 to see a marked improvement and so even if you will never be able to ride a bike on your way into work, you should see the value of finishing a, a parkway, a bike trail that gets people off city streets and encourages them to ride into work.
2: And, and it has to be in your line of thought as, as policymakers, and I see our my colleague, Mayor Pro Tem, Bab Sandine in the back, um, she knows we just had a, 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 a general plan policy meeting last night, and in it we We were very adamant about having complete streets where you look at, we had bikes in mind. We built the McGowan Bridge, we had bikes in mind. And as Rachel knows, we're talking about a Broadway Bridge and the C Street Bridge. We have bikes in mind. You have to, and you can't compromise, that you have to have that access. So super important as as kind of have that accessibility to Riverfront and to uh, get encouraged bicyclists.
0: All right, next question. I guess that's you.
2: First of all, thanks. For, uh, donating your time tonight and this is a beautiful venue so good job Steve my uh, my question is uh, again related to funding I'm curious to know your opinion of public private partnerships what you think some of the challenges challenges are what you think some of the benefits are whether you think there is room for that in the development that you're trying to create here
4: Well, I would say a definitive yes. They're wonderful. I mean, case in point, look across the river at that building that's going to be opening any day, the uh, Golden One Arena. Public-private partnership unprecedented in this area. Um, We do them on much smaller scale. I would call the um, Powerhouse Science Center a public-private partnership. Um, We do them, they're very common. We got very comfortable with them during the days of redevelopment, and we still are. The, um, The King's entity is um, developing some uh, sites that they have control of now and they'll, we'll have a lot to say about the, older, the old arena site out in Natomas, so um, I, I anticipate there's gonna be a tremendous involvement of the city on that site as well. So yeah, they're, they're a way to get things done that um, when it's maybe too big of a, of a um, apple for, for one person to, to bite, but you know together you can really accomplish a lot.
2: So absolutely, I yeah I'd agree 100%. Um, we would not be where we are literally without a public-private partnership. Um, the city of West Sacramento uh, committed about 2.6 million to this facility here because we saw it as critical infrastructure to activate the riverfront. And with our partner, and you got to have good partners. And, and we have with Fulcrum, um, with with Stephen and and Mark Friedman, who also had the development here um, to the west. Um, it is critical. You, you can't, you have to have good partners that see the vision that you see and, and even have their own vision and, and allow them to do something like this. If it means for us, the activation of a waterfront to kind of make the the, the riverfront more accessible because that's what we want in the end. And I think um, that's one example. We also leveraged our partners in the post redevelopment era. How are we gonna continue to fund this? Again, we're only a population of 50,000 people, not a large tax base to draw from and how are we gonna get through redevelopment? We, we tapped our partners here to figure out strategies. Um, when the midst of we were fighting with the state, how we, we don't, don't care redevelopment, on the other hand, we were having a task force, which I chaired uh, with Merica Balden, and, and, and private partners looking at ways we're gonna create uh, funding mechanisms for this. And one of the ways was we looked at ways to enhance the little known infrastructure financing districts which we, we work with our state partners to make changes to. And we'll be the, one of the first cities, I think if not the first, uh, to implement an enhanced infrastructure financing district where we're sitting. Because it'll allow us again to, 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 to find a funding mechanism for future improvements we'll need. And that, that will happen here because of the public-private partnership we had back in 2011, 2012. So again, they're, they're super important.
0: And from the private side of the partnership, Steven, from Fulcrum's point of view, is that Is that the future for um, real estate developers like your company to be doing things, um, especially along the waterfront? And how do you make it work for you?
6: Well, it opens up an opportunity to approach projects in a much more collaborative way. And I said a few when I spoke earlier um, that our thoughts about how this area was going to sort of play out are very, very different uh, now than they were when we started. And a lot of it has to do with the exposure to the collaboration with the city, um, their interests, their vision for this. Um, Just as an aside, I'll sort of state this as a counterpoint. You know, um, urban infill uh, developments, urban infill projects, you know, this is um, a lot of cities are experimenting with this. 50, if not 100, the cities are sort of going through what we're going through now, trying to figure out how to move tax base back into this urban cores where it's more um, efficient. Um, And there's always this sort of uh, first step, which is okay, from a city point of view, let's declare what our expectations are in terms of density and all of this so that we can rationalize the infrastructure that we're going to put in. and almost always, what those initial plans are, if you like, look at them with x-ray goggles, what you see are uh, the words really clearly in invisible ink, this cannot be suburbia. <laughs> Meaning that the, the, the codes that you see are, it's got to be zero lot line, the buildings have to be this tall, the density has to be this. Okay, so that's sort of like a playbook, the codes that we work with. And, you know, when we first started uh, developing here, it was very much that. We were interpreting it quite literally. We were trying to puzzle out how to achieve that. And then we said, well, wait a minute. If we follow this course of action, we are actually going to be building a city that's not ours, (laughs) right? We're going to be building somebody else's city if we follow this playbook. And so we started an open conversation with the city of West Sacramento. And it's not that we've actually changed the rules, it's just that um, we're talking about them with different vocabulary, which allows us different approaches. Meaning that uh, if you take this exa- the example of this neighborhood here and how it's building out in sort of concentric rings, one of the things that became really important to us was to declare openly that every residential unit must have a meaningful relationship to the outdoors. That actually has a consequence to how a building and how, you know, lays out on, on a site. Um, had we not had willing partners with the city to sort of, who could sort of meet that conversation, not just at the same level of sophistication that we are at but at a greater level of sophistication so that there was room for both of us to sort of explore and learn learn we'd be building someone else's city today and for that i'm really grateful for the opportunities that partnering with west sacramento provided us in developing all of this because i can assure you at the other end of it this is going to be a neighborhood How many of you out here, if you raise your hands, how many of you have been on one of these delegations that goes to another city to look at the cool things that they've done (laughs) to say, well, okay, we're gonna bring that back and reverse engineer it? I am pretty sure, because because of the quality of the discussions that are happening in West Sacramento and in Sacramento also, that we're gonna be one of those cities that people come to. And it's because we are sort of seeking out the gray area and trying to figure out how to make um, fill up those spaces with something that's uniquely ours. And that's really important. And without city partnership, city collaboration, it could never be possible. All right,
0: next question. So I am a friend of the Sacramento River Parkway. And I have to admit, I'm a little jealous looking behind us at this uh, new parkway, well-lit. And you may have answered part of my question about public-private partnership and how this came to be. What are some other speed bumps you came into along the way, legislative, financial, and how did you overcome those?
2: Here here in West Sacramento. Yeah. Um, We don't. What time does this close? (laughs) (laughs) Look, this this. this has been worked on, and, and probably uh, our, our friend uh, the, from the Ramos family knows this is better than anybody, but this whole property has been worked on for some time. Um, and it, it was an old d- d- uh, industrial area, so we had uh, cleanup issues. We had, th- there, th- we, we just had, we had, um, and we still have rail spurs out here. There, there's just so many issues we had, but until this kind of public-private partnership and cooperation started to happen, and we prioritized about, Rayleigh Field helped start that, um, kind of how it can happen. I think we tried to bite too much off and tried to do the whole thing at one time, but we just started to concentrate. Um, and we got a little lucky, to be honest with you. And uh, when Prop 1C, 1B happened and during the recession, um, we were able to go get grants that helped us fund uh, a great deal of this. There was no infrastructure here. If it was, it was built in uh, 1910 or, or earlier. Um, So we got very lucky and we got $22 million from the state grant to really come in and do uh, all the infrastructure work you see here. So that's why we have streets, we have uh, 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 drainage systems, everything is kind of pad built because we we got that infrastructure. It was dependent on getting affordable housing in, which is why we led with affordable housing uh, over here in the Rivermark and there's more coming in over at uh, Gateway West. But, again, th- so the parkway, that was a result of us getting a little lucky, too, and being nimble enough to say, oh, there's grant money there. Let's go get it and get that built first, because we knew once these people would get here, they're going to want access. So we, that's one of the things we, we didn't want to compromise on, and we did it.
0: I guess it helps that the mayor lives in there, too. It kind of adds a little... Uh
2: well, it's certainly, vote of approval. <laughs> it, it, it certainly adds a different element of neighborhood, um, um, I don't wanna say, the, what's the opposite of nimbyism? He is a very demanding neighbor in this neighborhood, so he expects a lot. He's, um, you know, uh, I, it's, it's a joke a little bit, so maybe it didn't go well, but it, he, is, he lives here, so he wants to see quality here. He can't vote on issues in this area, to be honest, um, but he knows what, uh, w- w- you know, this is a burgeoning area. And uh, the mayor is uh, very much a champion of urban development, core development. He's led the region in that in a lot of ways. And we're we're, we're, we're very uh, pr- um, happy to have him on our council and leading a lot of these issues. Uh, but a lot of us, including Mayor uh, Pro Tem sandine myself, um, we've been out here to seeing the same vision. And I think that, that, that helps um, that we have that collective unity on the council seeing the same vision and have great partners to work with.
0: Uh, next question. Um, well,
9: I I wasn't sure what question because I have many questions, but I wanted to thank you for having this. I didn't learn about it until today, and where, I tried. Uh, where
0: to, did you learn? I'm just curious.
9: Well, a friend read the, read about it in the B oh, okay. and then told me about it. Thank you. And I tried to get a few other people here. But I am very excited to be starting a project in West Sacramento, um, hoping to create a co-housing project. And uh, part of that would be in the Washington neighborhood. And I am very excited to hear about each one of you, what, what is happening in this area. Having lived in the Sacramento region for probably 40 years to see this renaissance happening in this area along the river, um, attest to all the, the work that you're doing. So thank you. So it's not a question. Uh-huh. Compliment. Compliment. <laughs> Compliment, thank you.
10: Hello guys, um, I wanna introduce myself. My name is David, I work, from, I work with uh, Halston Corporation, which is a great company in uh, North Highlands that probably a, a lot of people don't know about. Uh, but we, we provide uh, accessible systems like aluminum structures, aluminum gangways and docks to access the river. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that our company is available for uh, uh, for design services and also, uh, you know, collaboration in, in this challenge of uh, providing accessibility and um, amenities to, to Sacramento. And then another, the the actual question I have is, uh, through my travels, I've seen, um, there's a lot of uh, commerce on other rivers around the United States and in in other countries. Uh, You know, a lot of restaurants and and events happening down on the rivers of other cities. And uh, I noticed that's something we lack here a lot. And I wondered, what are your ideas of why that is and how can we conquer those those uh, those problems and then the other question I have which uh, was kind of about uh, thinking about the levees as a public uh, pub, public amenity and a public right-of way How would a private developer or a private party with an idea an entrepreneur uh, gain access to the river through a public right- of way such as a levee or Uh, the parkway over there
0: so let's start with the part one first about the amenities on the river uh, entertainment dining and then part two the private access to
4: the levees so let's start with part one i would love to answer your question because it's something that i've thought about a lot it's like what the heck sacramento why Why are we so late to this game? Why have? Why is it 2016 and now we're saying, oh, we've got some really nice rivers here. We should look at them. We should have restaurants on them. I mean, it's just blown my mind. So, the thing that I have thought about is that it's, and this I'm going to show my nerd side, but. Historically, when we were created, the city flooded both sides. Yeah. They flooded. You could apparently, um, you could actually, and then they would have drought, and then you could walk across the Sacramento River. It was so dry at some time. So I mean, there was just, it was one extreme or the other. And so our city, our, and our what do you call it, our, well, the old our fathers, forefathers, were afraid of the river. And it was something that you had to protect yourself from. And the other part of it is that we looked at it as a, it was I-5 of the day it was a it was a transportation corridor so you put all of your industry your your uh, plating shops your manufactured gas plants any any kind of industry you put them right smack next to the river so therefore and what did they do in those days they didn't have sequa NEPA they didn't have the EPA they just would you know throw out the if they had extra oil oops it dropped oh well tip that can over you know it's it's so they became very polluted and very contaminated and we're still to this day dealing with the vestiges of those, of those issues. And they're, as, as Chris was saying, they're extremely expensive to deal with. So I, I do think that, um, but I do think it's a cultural thing. And I think we're getting over it. I think there's a new day. We're recognizing that these things are such a tremendous asset, um, and we have got to take advantage of that. We have got to get to that next generation. So that was my, that's my um, rant for today. <laughs>
0: That actually tied into a question I had for Brooksy about Old Sacramento, um, you know, the amenities. Because I feel I'm, I feel like I'm not in the minority where residents of Sacramento think Old Sac, it's for tourists, and why go there? And Joe's Crab Shack, not for me. Um, but I did read, I guess, the um, uh, intro of you in the Downtown Sacramento Partnership newsletter about your ideas about making it, I mean, I don't want to use the word hip, but making it so that more residents come into Old Sac, and that would mean having the amenities that they desire. Uh, Is that that something that you want to do, and do you have the buy-in from businesses there that probably, maybe they already make a good living with the tourists that come in. They don't need to really change, so I'm wondering what's going on with that.
1: Um, Well, yeah, actually using the word hip is right, because I've been saying that uh, Old Sacramento really should be historically hip. And that if you look at some of the other cities uh, in the United States, if you were to take old Sacramento and put it in Miami or Seattle or Savannah, uh, New York, it would be one of the most interesting high-rent areas that the city would have. It would be where your more sophisticated restaurants and shops would be. So I found it a little unusual that there was this absolutely stunning historical district that did not quite have that sort of sex appeal that some of the historical districts Have so yeah, so that's sort of a sort of a motto that I've been kind of uh, champion is historically hip and let's get rid of the old. We're not getting rid of old Sacramento, but the idea that old, what does old mean? You know, it's historical. And a lot of the conversations with the property owners and the businesses, um, yeah, they do love the tourism that's there, but old Sacramento is a 365 experience. This is not something that's just for the weekends and not just for the holidays and not where you just bring grandma when she comes twice a year there's so much more to do in old Sacramento to experience the waterfront uh, you say you know Joe's not for me but you know what Joe's it's got some stuff going on you yeah, know and they're kind of fun uh, you've got Rio City right there on the waterfront which and I, I keep saying waterfront because that's a habit but Riverfront um, that is there, and I, my hopes is that once the city has completed the renovation of the boardwalk, we have these gorgeous canopies that look out over the the riverfront, and that we're able to activate those and start actually having things happen there that attracts the millennials and attracts a new generation of people that can appreciate Old Sacramento for its history, but also help move it forward into the next into the next generation. If that makes sense. It
0: does how many people are in line for?
2: You are okay. Uh, so, th- if I if I may, I just want to bring up one minute. I'm sorry. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just one <laughs> one thing. It's just, I think we're, we're standing in. And how, how do you start that? How do you make that change, to getting commerce and entertainment and commercial districts going? We're we're standing in right now. It is eight o'clock, on a Thursday night, and you're sitting on the riverfront in a beautiful facility, and we made a place to gather. Soon there will be a concessionaire Drake's out of, out of the Bay Area will, will be here. Um, we have the Washington uh, Firehouse is being converted into a beautiful uh, uh, Burgers and Brew down at the foot of the I Street Bridge. You have what's going on Old Sac. You have the biggest game changer the region has seen and Golden One Center opening up in less than a couple of weeks. Um, it's, it you know I, I think part of it, and, and Steve and I were actually laughing about this a couple of months ago, because I think the Sac B editorial board kind of opined on the fact, where well, where's our riverfront? development? It's happening. It's hard not to describe, it's happening, it's starting. The spark has been lit. You guys are standing at one of them. I'm so excited about what's happening, at, uh, that could happen, It's gonna happen, right, at the, at the power, it will happen, uh, because you'll have a waterfront that up north to south will have amazing spots um, going down either Sacramento side or the West Sac side, and it's just a matter of you know, kind of opening yourself up, like what's it gonna look like? And we are get there, I'm, I'm positive, we'll get there, all of us, both sides of the river.
0: And then uh, just timeline, we'll go for part two of your question, one more. And then raffle, I got the raffle. Uh, Ashley, Scott, if you can bring the, oh, two more. Okay, panelists, is that all right? Just checking. Okay, so part B, two more questions. Raffle, prize, strong. So part part B, can you, Refresh our memory again. I apologize.
10: Uh, part two was. Uh, would how? How would a second uh, or how would a, a private developer gain access to or an entrepreneur gain access to the river? I mean, like on the river. So, so for the podcast. So when, so when you're sitting. When you're when you're sitting over. You can actually see your reflection or the reflection of the city. I mean, this is great. I love this, but you're not on the water. So I'm talking about how do you how does someone with an idea of of development get access to the water without owning a beautiful huge property? That's what I'm asking. Or, or what is the regulatory? Uh, you know, reason that you can't have that access. I,
1: I'm gonna ask you a question in, in terms to that. Are you referring to something along the lines of maybe having a barge business? because those are ways that other cities have done that, um, whether it be floating restaurants, floating lounges, even having pools that are created that float out. In New York they did it out in the East River for a while. Um, Many cities have done that where they have gone through, and I will tell you sometimes there's like 25 city and state agencies to go through, so it's not a simple process. Uh, welcome to politics in the world of uh, regulations. Luckily, but we're a
10: little smaller, so we don't have that many. <laughs> well,
1: it, 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 it can get complicated, but um, there's been a lot of very, very profitable businesses um, that are created on barges. And that is something that I know within old Sacramento, I would love to see starting next summer is like some barge concert series, um, floating lounges yeah. that give you an experience. Yeah, they do. They have them in many cities. So, and I've worked on several redevelopment projects, and Fort Lauderdale and a few others where I've been a part of the riverfront activation, and that's been one of the things that was the easiest to get done when you're talking about physically being on the
2: water.
0: Rachel, Chris, is that, in one or two words, doable?
2: Yes, Um, you could talk to the guy behind you. You can talk to Stephen over here. They are looking for young, uh, visionary entrepreneurs who will help them uh, enhance their property and their projects. That's how you, and and you That can have call an appetite. Old
1: Sacramento would love to have your barge. <laughs> I would go.
6: That have an appetite for dealing, going through 29, count them, 29 agencies. Well, well, <laughs> but,
3: but being the lawyer that I am, let me add the regulatory problem you have. Um, the The state, no, 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 no. the state owns, the the state owns the river and holds it in trust for the people of the state of California. So there are a number of regulatory hurdles to doing what you're talking about. There are so many state agencies to go through, but it starts with getting a lease from the state lands commission in order to have a barge on the river and have the have the gangway between the barge. And the and the river or and the river bank, a- and then California is California. We're a very heavily regulated state, and there are a large number of agencies that you need to get approval from, such as the Central Valley Flood Protection Board and Fish and Wildlife, and who knows how many there are. It, it's it's. I don't say this to be negative. I would love to see a lot more on the river, but it is regulatorily very difficult to do.
0: So it's difficult, but not impossible. You have to have
1: a cast iron. Will?
3: Yes, you do. Okay, I
1: actually have a question. So being new to here with some of these regulations, does that actually, is that for more of a long-term permanent operation? Or if you were to do a temporary installation, which I know in most places has a lot less regulations, where you could say do a three-month seasonal uh, temporary installation where you would not have to go through quite so much?
3: I think you'd probably have to go through so much, but it would be easier to get, especially if you're not going to be in the river during the potential flood
7: months.
0: That's good to know. All right, next question.
7: (laughs) Thank you, you just helped answer a good question for me. I'm uh, Dan Ramos, born and raised here in West Sacramento. Actually, my folks um, uh, first came to West Sacramento in 1952, right over on Tower Street, about uh, 200 yards from here. So anyway, Great job tonight. The whole panel. I want to thank you for what what you've done. I too read about this in the B this morning. Saw the little blurb in there and kind of what's this curiosity? So they had no idea about it. Here I am. I've uh, been involved in the Bridge District here and back before the when we had the Triangle District here. But just want to thank you for having this venue here tonight. It's really great. Um, answered some great questions about uh, access to the river. So I appreciate. Uh, I'm going to. Talk to you about how we can do that. So, anyway, Chris, thank you. I was trying to hide out in the back room. With my son Matthew, I brought here tonight to kind of hear all this stuff. And but but the big thing I wanted to to, to not some ask a question, but actually kind of announce a little bit here. And Steve Jaycox helped me frame this, looking at the Tower Bridge. Uh, but I wanted to, this is kind of a little preview. So I hopefully um, there's an effort going on right now, and you'll be announced here at the Tower Bridge. Uh, dinner um, on Sunday night, but if you guys all know Sandy Smolley, our, our supervisor, and here in uh, Sacramento for many years, and she led an effort about 25 years ago to light that bridge, and uh, we put together quite a consortium to do that, and uh, work through all the regulatory agencies and Caltrans to get it done. We are uh, now there's a group of us that are all together to uh, try to uh, we're gonna we're gonna help. Redo that bridge and put LED lights on it, and uh, uh, you'll hear about it. And uh, that's so that's the you talked about the coolness factor coming up. That's something that's going to happen fairly quick. Wanted to kind of share this. It's kind of so it's just not officially announced tonight, but it's just a good group of us that are working on to get the tower bridge to uh, basically we're going to convert it all to LED lights so it'll be colorful lights so we can light it up on St. Patrick's Day, it'd be green. on uh, on the King's Day, it'll be purple for um, you know for Breast Awareness. will be pink, so it's it's a really cool deal, and you'll you'll hear about it more as we as we place. But I hope the idea is to kind of get it all done, and actually done for the uh, f- uh, f- uh, January 1st for the Fourth of July celebration here on the riverfront. So wanted to share that with you tonight. Coolness Thank factor. Thank you. That's, there you go. Thank that's you. That's
0: great. Wow, you heard, heard it here first. That would be great. All right. And last question.
11: Okay. Thank you. I'm My name is Dave Skirfield, and I'm active in Old Sacramento with Brixie. And uh, I, I certainly hope there's more collaboration regarding events, 4th of July, New Year's, where we can work together with West Sacramento to plan a larger scale uh, celebration and things to come on the river. So that was one point I want to make, but but the, the main, my main question, which is a little bit unrelated, is the gentleman here talks about what it takes to develop on the river, and I look south at a developer that spent millions of dollars and developed a beautiful dock and a hotel and went broke doing it, and still, two, three owners later, they can't get the city or the developer can't get the dock opened. So I'm wondering, is there any, Rachel, do you have any background on what is going on with that?
4: I don't have any update. Um, It's just, yeah, he didn't go through, he didn't get it permitted. And so that's the legacy. Pardon? (laughs) Yeah, there you go, yeah.
11: (laughs) So they were able to build it without Proper permits. I mean, I
4: don't know enough about it to, to comment on it. I just know, yeah. I know I, was, to me, that, it's a large it enough permitted.
11: development that it's it reflects poorly on the city of Sacramento because we have, you know, people from the Bay Area that would bring their yachts up and want to dock and have stay at the hotel. I just think there ought to be an effort, a progressive, active effort to. Get that dock opened. I I think it should be a a project for the city to take on. Uh, So
4: you might want to contact your council member. Isn't that the right answer, Chris? Yeah.
0: No. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. So last question from me, and and then I will draw from the bowl. Um, uh, Model a model of development. You know that since that 2003 master plan, a model that has been built since then that just really you see as, this is what the waterfront could be. This could be used as a model for future um, development, uh, like the barn, um, or or has the potential for development. I mean, I'm looking at Miller Park, where the marina is, Stone Lock Bluff, where I don't know if I've ever been in West Sac, the bridge district. So. In your minds what's something that just really stands as a beacon of um, this is a model that we want to use or this is an area where you know you're going to expect to see a lot of change in the next three to five ten years so what's what what are you focusing on uh, all of you or some of you
6: I'll start by saying that um, getting back to the uh, the delegation you know sort of Approach that we take to uh, reverse engineering our cities uh, to be other cities um, I would rather not follow anyone's example <laughs> I would rather uh, continue this um, it's funny because the identity question which I mentioned at the outset um, it's funny that a lot of people who were involved in that conversation that's been going on you know really since the downturn of the recession I guess you know we had time to think about it again. Um, a lot of people, I think, were approaching it as though, okay, we're gonna solve this once and for all. And it really wasn't about that. It was really about the development of criteria, a kind of loose criteria against which a lot of decisions could be judged against. And I think we sort of have that in collective consciousness now. I think we have this sort of sense of like, okay, we have a sense of where our values are, and we're going to start making decisions that answer to those values. And so I'm, I would never offer up an example of what someone has done in another place uh, to be something that we should uh, model our behavior after. I think we should uh, seek always to be self-defining. And this was uh, sort of a very small gesture <laughs> in that direction. Um, but hopefully it proves out that um, it can. the result can be rewarding.
1: Um, hmm. I promised my boss I wouldn't get too political tonight so <laughs> to stay in my lane a little bit but I'll say although I completely agree with you on what you're saying about using other models I think there are other cities who made regulations easier for things to happen who green-lighted things who got uh, docks that are ready to be used waived whatever paperwork didn't get filed or whatever didn't happen and let things start to be activated there's a lot of things that are ready willing and able to happen right now don't cost any money to, to build they just simply need someone to say it's okay to use it and the same thing goes with our boardwalk and what we're doing there's a lot of money that's going to be pumped into fixing the boardwalk and I think more more thought should be put into, why is this not the centerpiece of this riverfront plan? So if you're gonna start with the riverfront and there's gonna be millions spent on a waterfront in old Sacramento, take a little bit more time and let that be your centerpiece where you spread north and south from, because it is the historical beginning points of it. So for me, that's where my focuses would be, and would be looking at other cities, not to implement what they did, I completely agree with you on that, but maybe look at how they got it done, um, got it funded, and got around some of the uh, challenges with what the government puts in place in order to do things. Rachel, I'm
0: just wondering, with the arena about to open and and done and a new mayor coming in who i guess has said waterfront is a purpose you know waterfront is a priority do you think in your job you will be having more uh, stuff coming across your desk involving waterfront development growth is that the next now that the arena's done waterfront
4: yeah the river the river will definitely Riverfront. be a focus of um and, and I, I really hope we're gonna focus on it and not turn our attention away and just keep at it because a lot of these things, I think you've heard 29 agencies, it, it takes a lot of time and will and perseverance. I mean, we just, um, we started working on getting a boundary line agreement with uh, the, the state. It was, I think it was um, right about when the economy started to crash and we just got it executed this summer. So, it, these things take a long time, and you just have to keep at it consistently and just chip away. I mean, Harry was saying kind of facetiously about the Powerhouse Science Center and the obstacles that they had to remove, but it's just you just keep at it, and it's like, okay, we got that one. And I, I remember working with a staff person um, on the project in those. And I have to say, it's, it's, it is my pet project. It's my favorite project. Ever. <laughs> so um, but she developed a list, and we called it the hurdle list. And it was the issues we had to overcome and, and jump over. And so just one by one, we'd check them off, and we'd feel so happy about it. And so that's the kind of dedication that you, you, the Riverfront is going to need to make it happen. Um, and I think the desire and the, and the will is there today. And that is what's the difference.
0: And Harry, how many how many million between now and January first again?
5: Uh, well, or n- not, not so spring? much January first, but, but spring. We need to raise another 13 million dollars. Um, th- this project is about as good of an example of a public-private partnership as as you could possibly have. You know, the, our organization is a little nonprofit. Um, we were able to get an agreement with the city to give us a piece of riverfront property to lease to us a piece of riverfront property that, you know, well, it's either worth you know $10 million dollars or plus five, but you know if the hurdles weren't there, but that we could never have bought on our own, right? And then we won a, a competitive grant from California State Parks through the Nature Education Facility grant program, which really was the, the financial impetus. So we're well on our way. We hope we're gonna be under construction in second quarter. You know the mayor-elect has has been clear. This is, you know, the riverfront's a priority. And if you want to look at projects on the east side of the river that can get done this decade, there's one. Right. The not counting the boardwalk, you know, there's the Powerhouse Science Center. There's one, ma- yeah, uh, of of that kind of magnitude, and it and it'll have huge impact. It. Um, on the way the community engages the river.
0: Well, good luck to all of you in getting your respective projects and future development done. I I think we all are very interested in what you'll be doing and we would love to use them and um, thank you.